Hey, everyone. Well, welcome aboard today. Glad to be with you, New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast. Got a couple of things going on at once. We are so glad that you're here. Because we're in a brand new series, and what we're doing is we're getting to know God in a fresh new way. You know, it's important to do that. You know, you had to try cornflakes for the second time, right? So we got to uh, get to know God in a fresh new way. And I hope you will through this little mini-series that we're bringing to you here on New Hope Radio, 1590 AM dial, WARV, 92.7 FM also, and of course, the Hope Club Podcast. We're in a series entitled, Bible Stuff You Need to Know. And it's true, you know, there's a lot of good information in the Word of God. We would do well to learn some of it. Oh, the more we learn, the better off we'll be. I highly recommend it. That's why we're bringing you this series. We learned last time that if you want to know what God is like, then you need to know His attributes. In other words, His qualities, His his characteristics that He possesses. We saw last time that God is also very comforting because as a supreme ruler, he operates from his attributes. We noted some of them, omniscience, holiness, righteousness, love, truth, freedom, omnipotence, eternality, which means God is eternal. His immutability, which means he never changes. And his sovereignty, which means he makes the call. (laughs) God makes the call. He doesn't answer to anybody, but that's okay because he operates from his attributes. His attributes will never betray him. And they'll never betray us. That's why you want to know the attributes of God. Hey, you know what? God is not a God of man's making. He's not. He's unlike any other. And yet, you know what he's done? He's chosen to reveal himself to us. Now, that's the coolest thing. God could have, like, hid away, but he didn't. And he chose to reveal himself to us. You know why? So, number one, we could get to know him. And, number two... So we could have a relationship with him. Now, come on. God wants that. I wouldn't miss out. I wouldn't miss out on having an opportunity to know the creator and also having a relationship with him. Now, we know that we're living in a day, you know, we call it what? The knowledge explosion. Man, information. Life is like an information highway. And it's just exploding. And yet, with all that's being discovered and all that is being learned, man has forgotten the greatest knowledge. He really has the knowledge of God. That is the greatest knowledge. And it's great to have earthly knowledge alongside divine knowledge. Oh, put them both together? That's a winning combination. So another word for Bible stuff is what we're talking about here. It's Bible doctrine. 
Bible doctrine. That's an important word. You know, that's a Bible word. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you'll be a good servant of Christ, constantly nourished on the word of faith and of sound doctrine which you have been following. Sound doctrine. What is sound doctrine? Doctrine is that not just which is learned, but which is also followed. Oh, so when we learn the word of God, we are also to, here it comes, adhere to it or conform to it. God gave us his word that we would conform to his word. You know, every aspect of life requires some kind of conforming. If you're going to play on a football team, they give you a rule book. You got to conform to the rules of the game. If you're going to play on a baseball team, you got to conform to the rules of the game. If you're a medical doctor, you have to conform to the rules of medicine, right? Because if you go outside of that, there's going to be trouble. So God gives us his word, not just to fill up our heads with knowledge, but that our lives would conform to it so we would have, you know what, better life. Who doesn't want that? I do. I want a better life. Paul told Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, he said, As for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. There it is again. Sound doctrine. In other words, it's just another way of saying the things that are found in the Word of God, the teachable things that are found in God's Word. So Titus was on a mission, and his job was to correct some errors in the church. And Paul said, teach him what's right. Teach him what's good. So how God revealed himself, it's really important to know because many people ask the question. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know. They're still asking it today. Does God exist? I'm like, really? Mankind's been on the earth for 6,000 years, and people are still wondering if God exists. I'm like, get your head out of the sand. Of course he exists. But yet, even as a Christian, there may be times when you doubt God. You have doubts. So what I'm going to give you today is different ways that God can be found. How God reveals himself. Okay? And there should be no doubt about it. By the end of this program, there should be no doubt about it in your mind that God is real. Three arguments for the existence of God. Number one, this called cause and effect. We are reminded of cause and effect everywhere we look in the world, right? Did you ever see a ripple in the water? What caused the ripple? Did you ever see a golf ball fly through the air? What caused the flight? Did you ever hear a baby cry? What caused the tears? How about the existence of our planet? How did it get here with all of its various life forms? different lives. You got plant, you got animal, you got fish, you got bird, you got human. They're all different. So whether it's water ripples, flying golf balls, baby tears, earth and life, all must be the effect of something or someone that caused it. Now some say they happened by chance and it took a long process to get there. Well, a flying golf ball doesn't happen by chance, nor does a ripple in the water. And those are much more simple. God is the cause of these things. God is the cause of life on earth. 
You know, it takes more faith to believe that this whole thing happened by chance or it's a long process than that God was the cause. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, holes in the theory of evolution that can't be filled. But you can solve it when you acknowledge that, okay, let's work from the point that God created it. Now let's go from there. You know, we'd be much more advanced as a race if people accepted that. Then we've got the second argument. We see that there's purpose in the world. Did you know that? We're not only faced with a world, but the world seems to have a purpose to it. Right? It's very balanced. We've got the balance of nature. Do you ever think about photosynthesis? The chemical reaction in plants, which turns carbon dioxide into oxygen. God put man in the midst of an air filtration system. He did. We're surrounded by plants. They take what we breathe out so we can breathe in something fresh. They take our carbon dioxide and exchange it for oxygen. Isn't that the coolest thing? If there were no plants, you know what? We'd all, de- we'd all be breathing our carbon dioxide. We'd all be dead. Then we've got the process of evaporation, precipitation. Vapor goes up, water comes down. That's a pretty good system, wouldn't you say? Got to water the earth so it goes up and it comes down. I learned something about lightning, too. Do you ever wonder why lightning? What's the purpose of lightning? You know what lightning does? It creates nitrogen. Nitrogen comes down as a fertilizer. Nitrogen fertilizes the earth. It's created by lightning. Is God cool or what? (laughs) We've got the tides, high tide, low tide. What do they do? They replenish the oceans. Keep it moving like a washing machine. You know, if the oceans weren't moving constantly, everything in it would die. It'd be stagnant. What a great idea God had. So for all this to happen, the sun, the moon, they have to be in the exact right position from the earth in order to, for there to be life. They can't be a degree one way or the other. They've got to be in the perfect spot. Who put them there? God. God put them there. Then we have the third argument, the nature of man. Let's think about mankind for a minute. Man has a conscience. He has a moral nature. He has intelligence. He has a mental capacity. You know, mankind can invent. You know, we started off with the Model A Ford, and now we've got a space shuttle bringing us to the moon and everything in between. He has the capacity to invent, to create. He's the only one that puts on clothes in the morning. No other animals put on clothes, but man is different. He puts on clothes. He has a moral nature. He's the only creature that experiences guilt from sin. You ever see a dog do his duty on your lawn? He doesn't care. Looks right at you. You know, it's like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) He's not blushing. He's just doing his thing and then he's on his way, right? Even the youngest child has a conscience. They know when they've done something wrong. Mankind is unlike any other creature. He's the only creature that worships God. He's the only one that gives offerings to God and serves God. You know, the Bible tells us in Acts 17, 29, 
Being then the children of God. Oh, I like that. Being then the children of God. We ought not to think that the, that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. No. Man didn't create God. God created man. The Moxes will say, man created God. But God tells us, no, he created us. We are the children of God because we're made in his image. See, God is not formed by the devices of man. Man can make things out of gold, silver, and stone. But remember this, the parent resembles his offspring. Oh, I like that. The parent resembles his offspring. We resemble God. We're made in his image. Right? God said, let us make man in our image. And in his image he made us, male and female. We are in the image of God. So, seeing that we are living and intelligent beings, he from whom we have our being, we must be living and intelligent. So, you know, those that argue that there's still no God, they say, well, you don't know, I don't know, I'm not buying it. But you know what they say? It's not right to murder. Well, if there's no God, who says murder is wrong? Who are you to say murder is wrong? Mind your own business. They say, there's no God, but you're going to go to jail if you steal. Oh, yeah? Who says? Who made you the moral police? If there's no morality. You know, if there's no God, there's no morality. Morality comes from God. It takes the existence of God to explain man's idea of good and evil. If there was no God, we wouldn't know the difference between good and evil. Some people today don't, because <laughs> they don't know God. But why is there a sense of good, and why is there a sense of evil in the world today? Because we're made in God's image. That's why. So all the naysayers and all the atheists and all the pagans, they have no right to say, don't steal, don't murder, because they're creating their own, own morality, and yet they're really imitating God's morality. It's a contradiction for a humanist who says there's no God to try to do something good with your life. Why? What's good? What's good? If there's no God, then what, what is labeled good? Nothing. How can anything be labeled? It's just a complete free-for-all. Let me throw out there another argument for the existence of God. How God reveals himself. You know how? The Word of God. The Bible. That's how. He does it through his Word. I love the way the Bible opens up. Did you ever pick up a Bible and just open up to the first page? What does it say? Well, God explains who he is. He says, in the beginning, <clears throat> God created the heavens and the earth. That's it. God doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't bother to set it up, make a background. He says, no, man, in the beginning, I made everything. There it is right there. <laughs> I like that. God is very direct. I like that. Came right at it. In the beginning, I made it all. You know, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he told the people of Israel, who were in their backslidden state, you know what he said to them? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created the stars. 
the one who leads forth their hosts by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his power, not one of them is missing. I mean, that is like the coolest thing. God created the stars. He named them, and none of them are missing. Now I want to get into some nitty-gritty and talk about how God revealed himself. All right, I got a phone call while the music was playing. I thought I'd answer it. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. Okay, how God revealed himself. God, that's so cool. You got to give him credit, man. He's he See, he's not playing hide-and-seek. He's not playing hide-and-seek. And if he was, he's not very good because he wants to get caught. He really does. So let's talk about how God revealed himself. Two types of revelation. First, there's general revelation, okay? Now, what is general revelation? General revelation means that through nature and history, God has revealed himself. Secondly, there's what's called special revelation. And that's where God revealed himself through Jesus Christ and the Word. All right, so we'll spend a couple of minutes talking about each one. First of all, general revelation, nature. The glory and the handiwork of God. Now, we are going to use Scripture, but Scripture is simply explaining what we already see. It explains what we already know. And here's what it says. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Right? When you look at the sky, I mean, I wish, you know, there are places in the world, and even in this country, where, like if you go up in the mountains or if you go out west where everything is flat, oh, it's like you could touch the sky. Here where we are in New England, and if you're near the city, there's so much light pollution. It's really difficult to see the stars and their brightness at night. But I'm, I'm, I've been up in New Hampshire at night, beautiful state of New Hampshire, up in the mountains, and it's like you could reach out and touch the stars. You feel a sense of awe when you can see that. And there are folks that are fortunate enough to live up in those places or out west where there are no hills and the sky is so wide. It looks so big, so much bigger than it does over here. And what is the psalmist saying? That that's the glory of God. You can see it. And if you really look honestly, you have a sense of awe that comes over you. Then we have the continuation of day and night. Verse 2 says, day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So what's he saying? You get the cycle, day, night, day, night. It never stops. It goes on continually. Then we've got the silent revelation in verse 3. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Right. You can only look. You can see the stars. You can see the sun. You don't hear anything. It's just quiet. There's no talking. 
Sometimes God just wants us to look and just be amazed at what he's done. And you know it goes out to the whole earth. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterance to the end of the world. In them he has placed the tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of its chamber. That's a beautiful picture of the sun rising and the sun setting. It comes up and goes down. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there's nothing hidden from its heat. That's beautiful. It's poetic. And it describes the course of nature. And God is in it. Then we have the historical revelation. You might be familiar with the story of Jericho and how they blew the trumpets and the walls fell down. Well, you know, archaeologists discovered the city. And you know what they found out? They knew that when normally a city is besieged, the attacking army knocks the walls down and they fall inwardly. Jericho was different. The walls fell outwardly. <laughs> and they made like a ramp. And the Hebrews ran up. You know why they fell outwardly? It was the work of God. Man didn't knock down those walls. God did. Because that was unnatural for walls to fall outwardly. They always fall inwardly. That was the work of God. Archaeologists tell us that. Then we have special revelation from Jesus himself and the Word. And you know what Jesus said? He said in John 1, No one has seen God at any time. Nobody. We know that, right? The only begotten, that means the only one born. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he's explained him. So Jesus is talking about himself. To explain means to unfold. It even means to rehearse. And what Jesus is saying here, and he said it at another time, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There it is. So we have a revelation of who God the Father is through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, God the Father glorified himself. How? By the miracles that Jesus did. By the words that Jesus spoke. He said he only spoke the things that the Father told him to. That was it. So, the way to know God is to know the Son. And our knowledge of the Son comes from learning His Word. You want to get to God, you got to go through Jesus. You want to know Jesus, you got to read His Word. There it is. That's why you can't pick and choose certain parts of the Bible. If you believe some parts and don't believe other parts, you know what you have? A fragmented picture. It's like a puzzle with pieces missing. That's no good. You know, when you make a puzzle, some of the pieces are exciting, they have a lot of color, and some are boring. But you need them all. You need them all. And so it is with scriptures. You need them all. And you have a beautiful picture of who God is. So the Word of God, it not only informs the believer, but it stirs their heart. You have a dull heart, the scriptures can stir your heart. Remember when Jesus met up with the disciples on the road to Emmaus? 
The Bible says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And then what happened? They said to one another, Oh, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking with us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? See, when you've got the Spirit of God and you hear the Word of God, you come alive. Oh, something happens inside. You get built up. You get encouraged. It's like your soul is set on fire in a good way. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and that's good, because they're the things that bear witness of me. It's all in the scriptures. So let me wrap this up today. God has seen fit to give us enough information to believe in his existence, so we are without excuse. I'm telling you, for someone to reject God God is going to say, I'm sorry, there's no excuse. I am not accepting you. There's no excuse. You've got cause and effect. Every effect has a cause. You've got purpose. Nature is completely and perfectly balanced to, to sustain itself. You've got man, a moral and intelligent being, as the offspring of a heavenly father. You've got nature and science revealing God. You've got history revealing God. You've got Jesus revealing God. You've got the Bible revealing God. There is no excuse. There really isn't. So what we need to do, you know what we need to do? Open up our hearts. That's all. We need to humble ourselves. Realize we don't have all the answers. And you know what I tell people? If you want to know God, ask Him. That's all. In all honesty and in sincerity, say, God, I don't know, but I want to know. I want to know if you're true. I want to know if you're real. Reveal yourself to me. And you know what? He will. And you know why he will? Because he wants to. He wants you to know him. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He'd be more than happy to do that. If you've never given him the opportunity, do it. Do it. And if you've done that before, I don't know, maybe it's time to get reacquainted. You think you need to get reacquainted with God? Maybe stoke the fire a little bit. Rekindle the flame. You know, a fire that's not stoked starts to go out. But you get in there and move the coals around, comes right back to life again. Sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we need to be stoked and come back to life. And maybe that's true for some right now. So go on and do that today. Thank you for listening. Appreciate all you guys. Pray for the program. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.